The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for this podcast. My husband, Steve Siegel, is the producer of the podcast. This is episode number 282. Just a reminder to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star rating so that when people Google podcasts about addiction, we come up. Because as you know, we put forth messages of hope and help. Also, please check out our YouTube channel, subscribe, and give us a thumbs up on our videos. And if you'd like to be notified of upcoming videos, ring the bell. Today, we have an interview with a, a lady named Fauna Asfa. Fauna was the only child of revolutionary activists and educators. She had a doting Ethiopian father and a strong-willed African-American mother. Fauna Asfa felt her life shatter when she lost both her parents prematurely to illness. As grief pulled her into a downward spiral of addiction and shame, Fauna had to learn to harness her power and rebuild her life with a new perspective that changed everything. Since attending treatment on her own, Fauna has now become a powerhouse in the recovery industry. She currently oversees a private and prestigious young woman's transitional sober living in Los Angeles, California. Let's find out more about what Fauna is up to and what led her down the path of addiction. Without further ado, let's talk to Fauna Asfa. Fauna Asfa. Thank you so much for being willing to be on the podcast today and sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. You're such a beautiful lady. I just had to throw that in there. Editorial comment right at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I feel the same. You look very lively and lush and it's nice to see. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Um, so tell us, Fauna, where you grew up. I know you had... Um, a little bit of difficulty in your childhood, but tell us where you grew up, what your childhood was like, and, you know, kind of how that led you to drugs and alcohol. Yeah, well, that's, that's loaded, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just tell us everything. Just lay it all out. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, I grew up in Los Angeles, so um, I actually grew up in Hollywood on... Um, like Sunset and um, Kenmore, which is like right kind of in the thick of like East Hollywood area. And um, I, my parents were immigrants. My mom, actually, just my father. My father came here in uh, the 70s from Ethiopia. And um, my mom came here from, immigrated from Ohio. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I was raised, um, you know, in the Ethiopian experience, childhood, and um, it was just kind of, you know, very, it was a very warm childhood. My parents were amazing parents. They were very focused on, you know, education and um, activism and just all kinds of really amazing things. And we ended up moving to Los Feliz. And, um, you know, they, they saved and saved and got their little tiny favorite house. And um, it was, you know, I didn't grow up with any alcohol in my house. Um, I, they wasn't modeled to me. Um, my parents didn't drink. 
and they didn't have dinner parties with drinks and they didn't have people over with drinks. So that was never a part of my story. Um, I found alcohol. I, I actually went to seek it out because from a very young age, I was very um, uneasy with myself. I just always kind of felt um, like I didn't fit in or I felt othered that I would, you know, make myself feel othered. Nobody did anything to me that would constitute that. Um, but I just always felt like uncomfortable. And um, I remember like I would escape a lot, like in my mind, I would escape through writing. I would escape through, you know, music or locking myself in my room because I was an only child. And um, I just, you know, always wanted to get out of my head. And um, when I had my first drink, um, I was, I think I was 16, um, like real drink, like where I actually was like, you know, I saw somebody pouring this, this liquor and um, I didn't have, you know, experience with it, but I knew immediately I was like, fill it up. And I just went full throttle. I mean, from the very beginning. And I, I mean, I just was like, fill it up again. And just, and I was immediately uh, a blackout. What drinker. was it? What were you drinking? Couldn't even remember. It was oh. something, something brown. But it wasn't uh, like a wine cooler or. No. Yeah, okay. I went straight for the, like, it was probably whiskey, you know? Okay. I, yeah, I immediately knew I I wanted I wanted an effect. I wasn't looking for like a pina colada. I was like, no, I I want to kind of wipe myself out. And um, yeah, and I loved it. I I I just remembered feeling different and looser and out of myself and like really calm. And that inner like friction in me just like. Um, so young, you know? Yep. Yep. And, um, and then it was just, it was just like, just something I knew that, you know, I could have, but it really didn't turn into kind of, a, a problem. Well, it took a long time for it to become something that I would notice, but, um, my parents ended up being very, uh, sick most of their lives. And um, I didn't know that was going to be the case. And denial was a big part of my story in my family. Yeah. Um, so my father actually was diagnosed with leukemia when I was, I think, 13. Wow. Um, but I didn't find out till I was 17. Um, because culturally, he shielded that from me and didn't want anyone to tell me. So I lived in this weird dual life where like I knew something was wrong, um, but I also thought I was crazy. And I knew alcohol is something that made my brain stop. Well, you know, I'm, I've said this before and I'm gonna say it again, because a lot of times I think people think, you know, that if they don't tell their children or they try and shield their children from something that, you know, it's better for the child. But the thing that they don't realize is the child knows. 
okay? If a child has an addicted parent, they know. If a child has a parent who's ill, they know. Do you know they're not stupid? I think it's just it's just amazing to me when parents go, "Oh yeah, you know, I don't want to don't want to tell Johnny what's going on." Well, Johnny knows there's something going on. So. <laughs> and you knew your parents were ill. What what was up with your mother? What what was her illness? Well, she she progressed after. Okay. So so um so yeah, you know, I knew. I knew, but I couldn't put words to it, which was worse. Yeah. Um, and then once they finally told me that it, he had leukemia, um, end stages leukemia, um, I ended up hospicing him, um, in the house with my mom, um, because, you know, culturally, we, again, the secrets and the denial, like we didn't want anyone to know. And how old were you when you were hospicing him? I was eight, 17 and 18. So young. Yeah. And it was not pretty. I mean, you know, the stuff they show in movies of people getting, it doesn't look like that. It's very, very awful. And I just, I had nowhere to put it, but I remembered, you know, alcohol uh, makes me sleep at night and it shuts my brain off. And that's when I started drinking at night. And, um, you know, hiding it, of course, no one knew. Um, and then my father passed away when I was 19. I got it. And I just, you know, I thought, okay, we can, you know, do something. But I, I just didn't realize how hard it would be on my mom and I. Yep. And we went on for years, just very enmeshed and kind of became too much of everything for each other. And um, my drinking was just, you know, I, I had, I didn't know there was support or like cancer groups or any of that stuff. Right. And, and she was not, you know, vocal about those things. So, um, you know, my drinking just, I, I then at the sleep, the drinking at night turned into like, I can't sleep if I don't drink. Right. And um, then my mom got ill because she was so in denial and stopped taking care of herself. Mm. Um, And then uh, she turned out to do the same uh, lie story that my dad did. And it had turned out she had um, diabetes that she had never treated And so she started going into complete organ failure. So I ended up hospicing her. And um, And what were you then, like 20? No, this, this had, this had gone on for almost 10 years. Oh, okay. So now I'm, I'm in my thirties and. Still though, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that's the time of your life when you're supposed to be you know, like making your own way and, you know, getting your own career and your own job and everything. And I understand why you did what you did, but it's just really unfortunate because you were very young to have to go through that, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I didn't, I didn't have an identity outside of my parents. You know, everyone knew me as she takes care of her parents. And, um, yeah, and then when my mom eventually, 
my mom um, didn't make it and um, she passed away. And that's when my alcoholism said, oh, there's nothing left here. Like you, you, you tried and you failed and you have no more ties. They're my only family. So I'm alone mm. and I, my alcoholism said, you know, let's go. Wow. Did you do drugs as well? Or was it just primarily alcohol? It was alcohol. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I've always loved alcohol. That's, mm my solution it was and um and i i was beyond devastated i mean i you when you're a caretaker that's your identity and that's gone yep. you know i didn't know who i was or what i do or so i i locked myself in the house that um they both they both hospiced in and passed away in and I've put delivery apps on my phone and ordered handles and handles of vodka and just tried to, you know, take myself out of this equation. Yep. Drink your way into oblivion. And I can understand why you would do that. And I also understand that when you have spent that much time caring for someone and your life is so completely wrapped up in them when they're gone you you the what you feel is that you have nothing at that point you know that's just i'm really sorry you had to go through that i'm sorry for the loss of your parents at such a young age and i'm sorry that the burden fell on you so were your friends trying to come and find you did anybody come and okay that's how i uh, that's how I found out, you know, that there was a, a life for me outside of, I was, I was convinced that, you know, um, one, I couldn't stop drinking because that had been my coping mechanism for years, my entire, you know, like since 17. Um, and I, I didn't know that I could stop. I didn't know that, you know, that that even was an option for me um and so i had gotten so ill by myself um that i i ended up having you know grand mal seizures wow. and and um the ambulance got my phone and called my best friend on my phone and um they pulled together some money and i got went to treatment and how old were you then uh that was 34 Five. Okay. And what kind of treatment program was it? Oh, it was a full capacity dual diagnosis. So um, it's both mental and, um, you know, therapeutic and um, mental health and also substance. And um, I was detoxed for so long and I had to learn everything I, I had stopped talking, I had stopped walking, and um, I finally, for the first time in, you know, decades, was sober. Wow. And it was, it was beyond more, it was the most shocking thing that ever, I just, I couldn't believe it. 
Well, and you make a very good point because I think so often that because alcohol is legal, because so many drink, at least socially, I don't know that people have quite the concept of what it's like to withdraw from alcohol when Mm. you have become full-blown addicted to alcohol. And it's it's actually super dangerous. I mean, you, you have to do it in a medical facility because of like you were talking about the seizures. Yeah, that can happen when you when you start to withdraw. So, yeah. Okay. And now on the other side of, you know, my full spectrum that, you know, now I actually work in the field and I'm there to, you know, kind of guide people through this. Alcohol is the most devastating uh, just withdrawal and just devastation it does on the body. And, you know, when I came in, I was in full alcoholic psychosis. I had wet brain stage two. I had muscle atrophy. I, I had my cognitive and behavioral skills were absolutely gone. And everyone thought I was on drugs and it was all from alcohol. Yep. And it is, you can die from alcohol withdrawal. That's right. And it, in you know, the, the opiates and the narcotics, you might feel like you're going to die, but you couldn't actually die from alcohol. And that's why I love telling people how scary mine was because um, people don't think that that could happen from just alcohol. And that's and- that's what I was saying. Exactly. People think, well, because it's legal and because... You know, you can just have a couple beers that, well, how could that possibly kill you? Well, if you're addicted to it and you're drinking way more than the body can handle, yeah, it'll kill you. If your loved one is an addict or if you yourself are an addict, this novel, The Long Desert Road by Alex Sorotkin, is a must read. Part love story, part travelogue, the novel follows the intersection of the lives of a middle-aged man in love with a woman whose 21-year-old daughter is addicted to heroin. Full of unexpected twists and turns, this book takes the reader on an engrossing journey of self-discovery. And despite the difficult subject matter, you might even find humor and hope. Available on Amazon, The Long Desert Road by Alex Sorotkin. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com or call us at 727-314-314. 7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby.
It will. And it just, I mean, the, the brain is just so coded, you know, and, and so far gone. And I'm so amazingly fortunate that I came back because so much of it is irreversible. Yep. And, um, like liver, liver cirrhosis and things like that. Yeah. 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 And I was drinking, you know, my, my calories, I, I wasn't eating. And so, you know, it's, it, I was injecting pure poison just. And so you have, you look beautiful, as I said in the beginning, but you don't have any long-term physical problems because of the alcoholism. Thankfully I don't. Wow. No. Okay, there was a higher purpose looking out for you and had more that you needed to do with your life, which I know you're doing and you're going to tell us about, but I'm just saying you, I think yeah, so. it wasn't your time. I, 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 I knew that moment when I just, I just came to, and I remember nurses and doctors and they were like, are you here? I was like, I'm here. And, um, and then I got to, you know, I, I'd come from a culture that, you know, doesn't talk about, you know, grief, doesn't talk about addiction, yeah. doesn't talk about, you know, uh, mental health or any emotional inadequacies or whatever it is. Yep. So I was just like a sponge in this treatment place. I was like, oh, my God, I never been to therapy. Yeah. I never was, I, I never did any of it. So I was just like, I think I was their favorite person because I was, I was in awe because I, I swear I, I didn't, I hadn't even heard of, you know, AA or support groups or any of those things. Yep. So it was, it was really cool. And I, and I knew then I was like, oh, I need to soak this all up and turn around and give it right back. Yep. Because it blew my mind. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And so you kind of sort of found your own purpose then while going through the rehab, yes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I knew that, you know, I I went in there with no family, no attachments, you know, and no money, nothing. And I was like, well, if anyone's going to do it full throttle, it might as well be me nothing to go, you know, holding me back. So I just did everything. I did the whole gamut. I did um, every modality. I went to every group. I did all every meeting. (laughs) I just, I just was like, you know, uh, there's so many women and especially because I didn't see women of color um, in the spaces that I was in. Um, So I had this like, you know, this fire, I was like, you know, why aren't we hearing these things? Like, where, how come this is all brand new to me? Like, I'm going to go tell it to this and this and that, because like, this is, I want everybody to know this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's amazing. So tell us what you're doing. Tell us how you turned that fire that you had into helping others and what you're doing now. Ah, well, I, I fell in love with recovery, as you know, and working with women. um, Because, you know, for me coming in so broken, um, I knew that I needed to be around really safe, safe people. And um, 
women have always been the you know safest group and and just so loving and so i work with uh women i run a young women's transitional sober living um we are dual diagnosis so i you know i'm looking at both sides of the spectrum because we usually don't come in with just addiction it's trauma well there's something that causes the addiction is the solution to the problem so there's a problem there beforehand yeah Absolutely. And so, you know, I, I counsel them and I also um, work with women outside of um, my facility and I work with women who come into sobriety without being able to have kind of the treatment experience which a lot of people, you know, don't understand. And it doesn't, to me, it doesn't equate recovery, but it is such a big component of building a really fulfilling, recovered, sober life. Yep. So um, I help, you know, we work on different, you know, life skills and just different integrations of, you know, like, different modalities of what could be holding them back what are they willing to work through what skills what tools um you know different things that look at a whole spectrum and not just the addiction and um i do some speaking with that as well and coaching and then i just published my first book <laughs> oh awesome did i know that i don't know if i knew that what's I don't the know. what is the title of your book it's Sober Daughters. Okay. And it's uh, the journey I had from, you know, it's it's a recovery period memoir um, because obviously I'm not old. I'm not out here trying to have a life story, but I did have such a crazy traumatic piece and I wanted to take, because I was in as far gone as I was, you know, I've been a writer since I was little. So I was taking notes and I was like, every therapist, I'm like, why'd you say that? What does this mean? And um, I, I put it together in a meaningful, I hope, you know, meaningful way for other women to, you know, hear my story, but also take a lot of the tools and a lot of the skills and a lot of the wisdom that I learned um, to transform their lives and empower them, hopefully. You know, you make a really good point, Fawn, and that's kind of what I was trying to say before, is that especially in your case, because you were so young when you had to take care of your parents, you come out of that and you don't necessarily know how to balance a checkbook. You don't know how to get a job. You don't know how to, you know, maybe some people don't even know how to get a driver's license or how to apply for health insurance. And so those are skills when someone is addicted, the skill they have is doing anything to get drugs and or alcohol and get high and that's the skill they have so now they don't have that they don't have the need to do that anymore so what do i do now do you know i think that what you're doing is like so unbelievably valuable thank you i i i agree you know they they don't tell you that that your 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 emotional acuity stops when where you started you know so so many people can come in 20 30 40 and they're they're you know actually mentally or um you know figuratively with what they can complete in their day they're maybe 20 or, or 10 years younger yeah 
ability wise and and capable mm -hmm. they're yeah they've they've lost out on so much yeah. and you know just a, just withdrawing and doing like a 28 day program it's not going to put that there you know that's yeah. just to get you off the drug okay you're off the drug okay good now go back yeah. and deal with life but do you have the tools to deal with life Absolutely. i mean i mean even if someone and i'm not dissing this but even if someone knows that they can go to meetings and those are very valuable the meetings are not there to teach you life skills. No, no. And I think that, you know, I hopefully people and, and people who have, you know, really great sober lives know this, but a lot of new people or maybe, you know, people that don't have support don't know that it's not just I'm not going to drink today and my life is shit and I would much rather drink, you know, like. The goal is to hopefully build something that you don't feel you have to escape from. Right. And that takes a lot of other tools that aren't just about staying abstinent. And, um, you know, it's like maladaptive coping mechanisms. And do you know how to cope with stress? Do you know, you know, how to alleviate without regressing into anger? Are you going to blow up at your boss and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and lose your job and lose your job yeah. or, you know, what, what can you build that that's a passion and purpose that, you know, um, that just is, is a healthy life that can maybe replace the urge to drink. Do you know yeah. that maybe could be a good, a healthy replacement for that? Fauna, I think that I, as I said before, um, I think God definitely had a purpose in mind, which is why you didn't die from the alcoholism. But um, I think that what you're doing and what you're providing women is just so unbelievably valuable. I, I can't thank you enough for doing that. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And how would people reach you? How, if someone, you know, wanted to reach you and, or your sober, sober house, how do they do that? What's it called? Where is it? And all that. Uh, well, everything is through my website and that's faunaasphal.com. And, um, it's spelled F-A-W-N-A-A-S-F-A-W. And that's the same that I have on all social media. And I do a lot of early sobriety tips, um, a lot of early sobriety, like chip, like little like tools and like, you know, they, there's just so much that is, is tied to it, I think. And I hope my hope is that um, it becomes really exciting because recovery to me is like forever, you know, like. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I, I couldn't be excited about something that I think is like one and done. Like I, I find new things all the time. I want to share new things all the time. Like it's just a forever game. And I hope that, um, you know, my excitement for it translates and also, you know, the, the work that I do and, um, you know, the training and the people that I connect and build into, um, you know, it's, it's solid and it's really meaningful. So I just, I just, you know, I'm, I'm so into it. It's great. I, well, and I think you're doing a great job. I mean, I really do. I think it's super valuable. Um, I see that your book is available on Amazon. I will pop a picture of the cover in the video version of this podcast. Oh, amazing. And, yep. And just, I want to thank you so much. 
for being willing to talk to us today and tell your story. I'm so happy to be here. And I love that you guys have this and share it. And hopefully, you know, that keeps leveling down that stigma because, you know, if your life gets better, your life gets better. Like, you know, sometimes it takes what it takes. Yeah. And if you can come through what you came through, somebody listening hopefully will go, okay, if she can do it, I can do it. And that's why we tell these stories because they're inspiring and we know that they instill hope in other people. So they go, okay, it can be done. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm I'm so thankful to be here. And I really do feel and hope that, you know, anybody listening, you can absolutely do it. And if you can't keep trying, keep trying and you'll get there. Awesome. I just think that, Fauna's story is so inspiring. Um, You know, what she had to deal with as a very young woman. And then, you know, her alcoholism taking its toll, but she came through it and she's healthy now. And that to me is a miracle. And I believe that God really had more in store for her than just becoming, just being an alcoholic. So there you go. So her book, once again, is called Sober Daughter. It is available on Amazon. Her name, once again, is Fauna, F-A-W-N-A, Asfa, A-S-F like Frank, A-W. So her website is faunaasfa.com, and she is Fauna Asfa on all social media. So be sure and reach out to her if you think she can help you, because that's what she's doing, is helping others. Now, she's mainly focused on women, but I would say if you're a dude and you're looking for help, hey, reach out as well. Okay. We'll be back again next week with another interview. If you or someone that you know and love needs help, get them into treatment now. Don't wait. If you listen to this podcast, you know that in the middle, there's an advertisement there for Newman Interventions. If you can't handle your loved one who is addicted, contact Bobby Newman. He knows what to do. And there are so many resources out there for you. Check out Fauna Asfa. FaunaAsfa.com. You can always reach out to her. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again with another interview. We've got some exciting ones lined up. Just say it. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.